Well, good morning. Please take a seat. What a great song. That really sums up uh, what we're looking at this morning. Um, <coughs> we're looking at Jesus uh, on the road into Jerusalem, and it'd be great if you could uh, turn up Luke chapter 19, verses 28 to 40, on page 878. And I'll read that for us uh, before we dive in. Luke chapter 19, verses 28 to 40. And when he, Jesus, had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the roads. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Well, politicians uh, and those in the public eye uh, love to try and play a PR blinder uh, at key moments uh, in time, don't they? Uh, Margaret Thatcher's PR gurus uh, and spin doctors uh, made sure uh, that she was photographed uh, looking super strong uh, in a Challenger tank just before uh, her re-election campaign has uh, become a classic photo. Um, or Ed Miliband unveiled uh, his Ed Stone uh, before a general election uh, with his manifesto set in stone, not to be changed. Uh, well, I'm not sure that one went down quite as well. I think he got a bit of mocking. Uh, but then Cameron uh, arriving on his bike uh, before Prime Minister's questions, his last one before uh, aiming for re-election, didn't do much better either. He, uh, he got lambasted for cycling all the way in uh, with his helmet on his handlebars. Uh, or there's the African king, uh, Bokassa I, uh, of the Central African Empire, uh, who in 1977 spent $25 million uh, on his coronation. Uh, it was designed to show that he was the new emperor of the 20th century. He arrived in an imperial coach, bedecked with gold eagles and drawn by six superb horses. Uh, he wore a 15-kilogram robe uh, with 785,000 pearls on it. And yet, just two years later, he was overthrown by a French coup. So what about Jesus? Uh, what did he do at the moment uh, when he was finally ready to announce himself to the world? At the moment when all eyes were on him? Well, he chose to ride through the crowds on a donkey. Uh, surely a, a PR disaster. I mean, no uh, PR guru would choose that, would they? 
But I hope that as we look at this passage this morning, uh, we'll see that uh, this ride into Jerusalem shows us that Jesus is a king like no other king the world has ever seen before. Uh, As I've studied this passage this week, uh, it's left me in awe at uh, King Jesus. Uh, The king he reveals himself to be in this passage uh, is exactly the king uh, that he was revealed to be uh, at his birth that we celebrate this Christmas. Uh, He knew exactly where he was headed. And so I hope it will leave you too uh, in awe at the true king and wanting to worship him this Christmas. Well, let's pray uh, and then dive into the passage. (coughs) Father, in the busyness uh, of this build-up to Christmas, please help us to switch off uh, from everything else on our minds and to be focused on listening to you this morning. And as we listen to your words, please teach us, correct us, and train us in righteousness so that we are equipped to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in this passage, uh, we meet Jesus uh, at the end of a nine-month journey. Uh, He's been purposefully uh, zigzagging his way towards Jerusalem. Uh, He's ministered uh, in at least 35 different places, Uh, And he's timed it perfectly to arrive in Jerusalem just in time for the Jewish festival of Passover. Uh, He was becoming more and more known. Uh, Crowds were getting bigger. Uh, Just at the start of this chapter, uh, we see Zacchaeus struggling through the crowds uh, to see Jesus, uh, not just because of the numbers, but because he was short as well. Um, And so he climbs up a tree. Uh, And it's no wonder uh, there were crowds. Uh, Jesus had been teaching with authority, Uh, He'd been healing people. Uh, He'd even raised Lazarus from the dead. Uh, And there must have been high expectations on Jesus as he approached Jerusalem. Uh, So let's pick up the story. Uh, Jesus had been teaching teaching at the start of our passage today, uh, verse 28. uh, And we read that after he'd finished teaching, uh, he goes on ahead, heading towards Jerusalem. Uh, He gets to Bethphage and Bethany, uh, villages on the east of Jerusalem, uh, about two miles out from the city, uh, on the slope of the Mount of Olives. And at that point, he calls two of his disciples to him. Here's what he says, verse 30. Go into the village in front of you, where on entering, you will find a colt, uh, a young, young donkey, tied, on which no one has ever yet sat, Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, you shall say this, the Lord has need of it. Uh, Imagine if I was in town uh, and I said to a couple of friends, uh, just go down to the local garage, uh, have a look for a Ford Fiesta there. And uh, if anyone says, why are you taking that car? Say, Ben needs it, Ben needs it. Uh, I mean, I'd be pretty chuffed if I got the car, wouldn't I? Uh, But it's not ridiculous when Jesus says it, uh, because by that point, Uh, The disciples know that Jesus speaks with complete authority. Uh, We don't know for sure uh, how Jesus knew the donkey was there. Uh, Maybe one of the disciples told him. Uh, But given Jesus' track record, uh, it seems most likely that he just knew. Uh, As we read the Gospels, it's clear that Jesus sees behind the scenes. Uh, He's omniscient. Uh, He knows people's thoughts before they even say them. Uh, He knows who's going to betray him. Uh, He knows everything. He's got perfect knowledge. 
Uh, and before we look at the rest of the story, the first thing uh, to reflect on here is that that should be uh, alarming to us. Uh, Jesus sees everything. Uh, we can't deceive him. We can't pull the wool over Jesus' eyes. Uh, he knows everything we do and think. Uh, and if we're honest with ourselves, I think all of us feel exposed and inadequate when we think of someone having that sort of knowledge about us. We wouldn't want someone to play a videotape of our whole lives in front of everyone here. And the Bible tells us that one day Jesus will judge the secrets of men. It's an alarming thought, probably even when we just think about the past week. And yet, as we're going to see, this King Jesus uh, the very king who will judge these secrets has a plan uh, so that we don't need to be afraid of that day when he will judge them. In fact, it's been planned in eternity, a plan to save sinners like you and I. Uh, it was all carefully coordinated. And that plan goes right down to the, the little details, uh, even the details like a donkey. You see, up to this point, uh, Jesus has been a lot less blatant. Uh, he hasn't encouraged any sort of public demonstration. Uh, in fact, if you know your Gospels, you'll know that Jesus repeatedly withdraws from the crowds if they start to promote him too much. Uh, but now, coming to Jerusalem, it's time. Uh, the time planned in eternity. He allows the attention and publicity even though he knows it's dangerous. Uh, and he rides a donkey towards Jerusalem. A donkey uh, was an animal loaded with meaning. and It was no accident because 500 years earlier, as we read uh, before, Zechariah had prophesied about this very day. He said that the Messiah would come riding on the foal of a donkey. Uh, Zechariah 9 verse 9 says this, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey. We see clearly uh, God's design in these events. Jesus is fulfilling the promise of scripture. Uh, he rides the donkey as a king. He's addressed in verse 38 as the king who comes in the name of the Lord. As Zechariah said, your king comes to you. Throughout his time on earth, uh, Jesus had talked before of the necessity of what would happen in Jerusalem. He knew the cross was coming. Uh, and so from the big picture of uh, what was happening in Jerusalem, uh, prophesied 500 years before, uh, to the detail of uh, Jesus, Jesus directing his disciples to a specific donkey, uh, we see that he is completely in control. He's in control of his coming to Jerusalem and he's in control of all the events uh, tied to his death. Uh, I love the contrast here, which just sums up uh, Jesus as king. Uh, you've got a, a, a guy riding on a donkey, a humble, uh, an un, a humble and unimpressive thing. Um, not a very impressive PR move. Not a great coronation as king like that African king uh, I mentioned earlier. Uh, and yet at the same time, he's so clearly identifying himself as the Messiah, uh, the anointed chosen king, the son of, God, of David, uh, the long-awaited ruler of Israel, the fulfillment of all God's promises, 
and he's directing events with complete authority. Total authority and yet complete humility. A king and yet a servant. The king who knew where he was going. He knew he was headed for the cross. Uh, I don't know if you know the story of Antarctic explorer, uh, Captain Lawrence Oates. He was part of Scott's uh, ill-fated expedition to the South Pole where five of them uh, died. (coughs) Uh, And as they struggled to return home across the ice, uh, after many days of struggling uh, with uh, frostbitten feet, uh, Captain Oates uh, decided that they weren't going to make it uh, with him slowing the team down. Uh, And so on the 16th of March, 1912, Uh, He simply said uh, to the guys in the tent, I'm just going outside and I may be some time. And with that, uh, he walked out into the storm uh, and they never saw him again. Oates' uh, biographer, Major General Cordingly, uh, said this. His final words are typical. It was his way of saying goodbye, but without drawing too much attention to what he was actually doing. He died so they could have a chance of living. That was simply the sort of man that he was. I guess Oates' team didn't really realize the significance of the words that he said uh, until afterwards, uh, when they looked back and saw that he'd planned that all along. Uh, And yet it wasn't uh, uh, Oates' aim to die when he went on that expedition. Uh, And yet Jesus had planned it all along. Uh, Even his uh, expedition, if you like, to earth, uh, he came to die. Uh, That was his aim right from the beginning. Uh, And he wasn't just one of the team. Uh, He was the king of the universe, uh, come down with that amazing aim at that first Christmas. A king who is willing to give his life so that we can live. Uh, A king like no other. A king to celebrate and worship this Christmas. Which brings us to my second point. Uh, All creation was made to worship this king. Uh, Let's finally dive back into the story. Uh, Take a look with me at verse 35. Verse 35. Uh, The disciples have collected the young donkey, uh, and we read this. They brought it to Jesus, uh, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, uh, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, uh, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Uh, It's a fantastic picture, isn't it? Uh, Apparently, uh, as you're coming down the Mount of Olives, uh, you catch a a glimpse of Jerusalem uh, in the distance. Uh, And there are great cheers for the king. Uh, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, They put their cloaks on the donkey and they lay them on the road uh, in front of him. And he he rides triumphantly towards Jerusalem in the distance. They say, peace in heaven and glory in the highest, uh, which reminds us again uh, of what the angels said uh, back at Jesus' birth. Uh, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And yet none of this crowd uh, knew uh, what was coming or where Jesus was headed. But they do already recognize him as a king from the mighty works that he's done. Uh, They see him as a deliverer uh, and they were right. Uh, But he wasn't the deliverer that they thought he would be. 
So Jesus doesn't discourage them, does he? Uh, his time has come, and it's time for people to see who he really is. This next week of events uh, leading up to his death on the cross would be played out in public view. Uh, his earthly ministry was nearly finished and completed. Uh, the Lamb of God was about to be slain, and, and all eyes would be on him. Uh, it wasn't going to be done in some corner, so people could deny that it happened. Uh, Jesus' death uh, was for the life of the world, and it was going to be a public spectacle. When we've not uh, looked at the gospel accounts that carefully, <coughs> it's easy to think of uh, Jesus as maybe just a good teacher or uh, a good man with some wise thoughts, isn't it? Um, I'm sure you've heard people describe Jesus as that. Uh, and yet it's so clear here uh, that Jesus accepts what the crowds say of him. Uh, he's not some humble teacher. No, he's, he's clearly pointing to the fact that he's the Messiah and he's king. So he's either a total nutter on some sort of ego trip, uh, or he is the king, and it's absolutely right to worship him. And if we were in any doubt uh, about what he thinks, uh, all we need to do is look at uh, how he responds to the Pharisees. Uh, have a look at verse 39. Verse 39. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Uh, they're saying, look, this adulation is, is not for a man. Tell, them that, tell the disciples they're wrong. Uh, and how does Jesus reply? I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Uh, Jesus knows exactly who he is. He's not some humble teacher. He's the king. Uh, I don't know if you've heard the famous uh, Churchill quote uh, about Clement Attlee. Uh, Churchill said about Attlee, he's a very humble man with a lot to be humble about. <coughs> but uh, Jesus doesn't just ride in on a donkey uh, with a lot to be humble about, does he? Uh, he knows exactly who he is. Uh, a king who is above all kings. In fact, all creation was made to worship this king. Jesus says, if these people were silent, uh, the very stones would cry out. Uh, and as we saw in the previous passage last week, uh, all of us need to choose uh, whether we're going to worship Jesus as king. But you see, if we've seen who, who Jesus really is, uh, the type of king that he is, and I hope you've had a glimpse of that this morning, uh, we'll, we'll want to worship him as king. You see, Jesus is a king like no king that we've ever seen. Uh, he loves us more than we can imagine. Uh, I, I don't want to stray too much into next uh, week's passage. Um, but right after this, uh, or even possibly during this triumphant procession, uh, Jesus looks over and, and he sees Jerusalem uh, and he weeps. He deeply weeps, that's the word. Um, he weeps over those who aren't going to turn to him in repentance and faith. Uh, that's... That's the heart of this king. Uh, he's humble, he has total authority, and he loves us so much, he's willing to give his life for us. Uh, he's a king worth worshipping this Christmas and celebrating this Christmas. So what does it mean for Jesus to be king of our lives this Christmas? Uh, well, on Thursday, uh, I had the privilege of uh, being at uh, a service of thanksgiving for Peter Halbrook, uh, a member of our congregation here who passed away uh, just 10 days ago. Uh, he was a great man of faith uh, and apparently his favorite thing to say 
uh, whatever happened in life through the life, life's ups and downs was God is in control. Now that's the phrase of a man who knew his king, isn't it? God is in control through all life's ups and downs. And what about you? Do you know uh, Jesus as your king? For example, uh, when all your beautifully laid plans for Christmas uh, go awry, uh, will you lift your eyes to the king uh, and rejoice anyway? Uh, because he's a king who, who walked that path to Jerusalem uh, knowing exactly what he was in for. Uh, or if this year uh, that diagnosis comes to you, like it did to Peter, the one you dread, uh, will you say, God is in control. He planned every detail of our rescue right down to the donkey and we can trust him with our lives. Uh, or if uh, your struggles with, this, with sin this year have left you hopeless, uh, will you look to the king and persevere? Or will you keep on fighting those battles against sin, uh, knowing that Jesus persevered right throughout his life, knowing what was coming, so that one day uh, you'd be free from sin uh, and spotless like the king? You see, we celebrate a new kind of king, uh, the best king that's ever lived. And because of him, uh, we can have a new kind of life and a new life for eternity. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, thank you that this Christmas we can celebrate a king who is above all kings, a king who is willing to head along that road to Jerusalem, knowing all that it would entail. Please help us to trust this king with our lives. Would we worship him and rejoice in him this Christmas? For your glory, Lord. Amen.